It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some bats. Third down and five on the 25. Wilson back to pass. Crosby in his face. Grabs Wilson around the shoulders and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. And the Raiders defense gets a stop. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's Big Boy Radio. You know, playing fast has always been fun for me. And I enjoy it when there's time. And there's a time and a place for it. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, JT, back with you as we continue. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. A lot of people are back. They were out of town. The Raiders won in Seattle. Uh, we're celebrating that over the next two days here. We're just talking about what went into that game and how the Raiders have won back-to-back games. And they're building momentum. And then uh, starting Wednesday, we'll dive heavy into the Chargers as it's the Chargers and the Rams back-to-back. And really a make-or-break portion of the schedule, depending on who you are. You might think it's break because the season's over. They don't have enough to get to the playoffs. We're not doing that on this. With a flagship, we work with the team. We believe the Raiders are competitive and can win any game at any time. But they got to get rolling here. They got to keep the momentum going. And the Chargers come to town. And for the Chargers to come in here after the Raiders lost to the Chargers to open up the season in a game where the Raiders had the ball late with an opportunity, right? We talk about these one-score games. That was an opportunity for the Raiders to win. The Chargers started fast. The Raiders started slow. And then there just wasn't enough time left. I thought the Raiders played a very good game in Seattle. It wasn't perfect. I think the defense is a big problem. Big problem overall. Max Crosby and the pass rush. Billings, what a game he had up front in the middle until he went out injured. You know, Harmon, Deron Harmon on the back end. There are a couple of good plays there. Some good tackles. Perryman's interception. We're going to get to most of those highlights at the end of the show and tomorrow. But the middle of the field has got to get cleaned up here. I don't know what they're doing. It's bend, don't break, but it mostly breaks. And the defense has got to play better. Someone's got to help Max Crosby, who's getting to the quarterback a little bit late because he's getting double or triple team and he's getting held. Chandler Jones recovered a fumble that dropped in front of him. Perryman had the interception. Nate Hobbs has got to get back to playing. And Waller and Renfro got to come off IR ready to go. I mean, this is it. You, 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 Divine Diablo, all the injuries that this team has had, and the guys who are playing are playing super hard, and they're really dedicated to winning all these games here. So thank God I don't have to talk about that, nor I hope we're not going to do any of that the rest of the way here. I mean, you just let, let's get over that about the team falling apart, the coaches not on the hot seat, the locker room. So they were losing a bunch of games, and Devontae was pissed off in front of his locker. So? What does that mean? doesn't mean the locker room's divided. Devontae's the leader of the team. Derek wasn't happy. Derek showed emotion after the Indy loss on the verge of tears. Okay, we we covered all that. There wasn't anything in the locker room that was tearing the locker room up. But I'll tell you, there were even some Raider fans who wanted that to happen. They wanted it to happen. And I'm not going out on a limb. There were Raider fans who wanted that locker room to be torn up because they didn't like the coach. And they just wanted to pile on the coach. And once we told them, and Mark Davis said the coach is going nowhere when he said that, now everybody's calmed down a bit and saying, oh, I kind of get the plan. I don't love the record, but I got the plan. They're playing hard. They're playing hard. So now that you can disarm yourself, disarm yourself and not go with the rhetoric, well, the team's quitting. Oh, the team's, 
The team's in a bad place. The locker room isn't together. Stop that. That was never the case. That was false propaganda. Now, the record's not very good, and there's a lot of work to be done, but they won two in a row. And what are they building on? We're not talking next year yet because we got a lot of football. But we all know we're all big boy radio, as I like to say. We know what they're doing. They're trying to get their cap ready. They're trying to figure out who they're going to pay. They're going to try to figure out who they paid that maybe they paid too much. There's a lot of business that's being done in that building, and they're going to prepare for a draft where they're going to be loaded up to make some moves in the draft where they got to do well. You know, Seattle had a really good draft. We spent a lot of time on the pregame show talking about the five draft picks that were starting, that were starting and doing really well, and that's it. They, they, they got guys in Seattle who are young and vulnerable to lose a game. You know, did anybody think Seattle was going to run the table here? So the 49ers are the best team in the NFC West. It's not Seattle. Now, maybe Seattle bounces back and plays well. I mean, they played good enough to beat the Raiders. They did play good enough to beat the Raiders, that's for sure. I'm positive about that. So with all being said, what do you think the team now is doing right that you want to stick with? Remember, I'm a throw-the-ball guy, and I've stayed out of the way of this Josh Jacobs freight train. I like throwing to Devontae. You see me tweet during the games. I'm pretty emotional, but as I tweet, you know, I think you live and die with Devontae. That's who I am. You don't have to agree with me. I'd rather go to Devontae with the game on the line. They went to Josh. And Josh was able to run the ball and have a walk-off 86-yard touchdown, which was incredible. Let's play that play-by-play of the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. Here's how it sounded with Harry Ruiz. 4.32, acarreo de Josh Jacobs. Jacobs, encuentra el espacio, encuentra el hueco, avanza. Jacobs, se va, se va, se va. Y despídalo con un beso. Anotación. Touchdown! Raiders! Los malosos dejan tendidos en el campo a los halcones marinos de Seattle con un acarreo anotador de 86 yardas de Josh Jacobs. Noche increíble para Jacobs. 33 acarreos, 229 yardas, dos touchdowns y súmenle también 6 recepciones, 74 yardas. Josh Jacobs! God, we got to get a promo out of that. Got to put that in a new open, man. That was good. Harry Ruiz joins us. Harry, that was fun. You, you had a blast on that call. Tell me how that play developed there because no one thinks a running back, even Josh Jacobs, is going to go the distance from that far back. How did it come to you for that great call? Man, I, I, I think you can notice I was a little bit too excited with that play, but... Um, the emotion came out, and after getting that first walkout out of the way, walk-off last week against the Broncos, now getting it against the Seahawks, it was even more exciting. And, JT, I mean, you got to give credit to the guys up front, the Cookie Monsters, that offensive line, and then add the German tank, Jacob Johnson, Foster Morrow. They opened big holes, and they let Josh Jacobs do his thing, get his job done, and Jacobs is a beast. And the best part right now is that run blocking, it's working and in a very good way. So I hope he has a couple of gifts for his offensive lineman by the end of the season. Yeah, what else did you think they did well? Because the offensive line in the last two games really did a nice job. It's not perfect, but they're clearly getting better. And I thought the pass protection, maybe for the first time this year, I can sit here and say, just from watching, and I'll go back and look at the tape, that, That was really good the way they gave Carr a lot of time 
in some really important segues of that game where the Raiders needed time to get Devontae open and get receivers open downfield. I thought they did a nice job. Yeah, and you could notice that the leader of that unit was back on the field with Colton Miller after missing the last game with a couple of injuries, and this unit now is overachieving. At the beginning of the season, you were saying, why didn't they fix it? And the coaching staff and the front office, they had a plan, and they were letting these guys become the unit that they are today, which isn't perfect, but it's been back-to-back games with one sack against Derek Carr. There was a little bit more pressure from Denver, but this game, you take out that play where Carr was sacked and that play where Carr was rocked, those two plays were pretty much the only plays where Carr was touched by the defensive unit from the Seattle Seahawks. So these guys, they were giving an opportunity to gel, and they're doing a great job right now. And one of them is a rookie. One of the guys coming in, Thayer Mumford with the Jumbo Package, he's a rookie as well. And the Raiders, if that's how this new front office is going to be drafting, I think we got a good outlook coming in the way. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, joins us, and it'll be a great moment in your career. I don't want to say never again, but you might never call a game where a running back has over 300 combined yards. And that, was, that must have been special when you finished the broadcast and you let it sit in, sink into you, that that was a game that will go down in Raider regular season history, and you're part of it as one of the play-by-play voices. That had to feel good. Man, that was a dream come true, JT. I mean, I remember being at the Coliseum watching Josh Jacobs play as a running back out in the stands as a fan and now being able to be a part of the Spanish radio broadcast and then this opportunity of calling three games, full games with play-by-play and two of them in in a walk-off touchdown. I mean, it's a, this is sports, man. You can't script them, and it's just been a perfect situation for me, and I'm enjoying the ride. Uh, This game against the Chargers, because we're going to talk to you next Monday after the game, is really important because a lot of people are talking about the Raiders and the record and how they could still continue to dig out of the hole. That's true. But I also think the bigger picture is they could help eliminate the Chargers again. The goal is for the Raiders to win. That will never change. Just win, baby. But the other thing is the Chargers are a nemesis to the Raiders, and they're going to be with Justin Herbert, just like Mahomes. I think if the Chargers lose this game in Vegas – there's a really good chance they'll miss the playoffs. I, I really do. And you could say if the Chargers win, it'll officially eliminate the Raiders because they'll have eight losses here. And, you know, you, you can't get into the playoffs with that many losses. So a lot is on the line. A, not, not so much nationally, but regionally in California and Nevada for this game. I think it's a big one. Absolutely. And it- In the preseason, they were the media darlings. They were the team that everybody was picking to win the Super Bowl, to make it to the Super Bowl. And now they're like everybody, even their own fan base. They want their coach gone because if Justin Herbert doesn't make it to the playoffs this year, you pretty much wasted those three years that he came in a cheap value. So he is a great, talented quarterback, but the Raiders, they had his number out here in Las Vegas last year. Hopefully they still have his number this year. And it's a rivalry game. The records don't matter. These teams, when the AFC West faces the AFC West, it's 0-0, it's going into the field, and you're playing for the pride of your team and your fan base. And the Raider Nation, I want you guys to be out there strong. I don't want to watch any powder blue terrible jerseys out there in the stands. I want it all silver and black. Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up, the only concern I have for this game coming up here this Sunday is the ability to stop the passing game over the middle of the field. They absolutely can't do it. They just can't do it. So something's got to change. I mean, the Perryman made a nice play on an interception, but the amount of space over the middle of the field 
from the corners, letting these slants run to the middle of the field, and then there's no one there as the safeties seem to be really deep. I look at this, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams never seem to play together. One of them's always hurt, and the Raiders have done, uh, done pretty good against those guys. Every once in a while, one of them has a big game. They don't have the tight ends that they had in the past. Eckler's a really good player, but we're not talking about this offense. The quarterback's great. He's not good. The receivers are good. They're not elite when they're healthy because they've been banged up so much. Derwin James always seems to be hurt in this rivalry. Khalil Mack... The Raiders have got to do a better job on Khalil Mack, especially Colt Miller, after that first game. I'm just concerned that if they don't blitz, and if Max and Chandler Jones don't have a great combination game, Herbert's just going to throw it over the middle of the field and move the chains. And look, we've been seeing Chandler Jones getting a little bit better by better, but then Max Crosby's not playing at an all-pro level. He's playing at an all-decade level right now this season. And if you can get the center of that offense, defensive line, which played great yesterday in Billings and um, and Bilal Nichols, yeah. if you can get both of those guys to keep putting pressure right now in the middle and then add Denzel Perryman, who seems to be as healthy as he has been this season, to put pressure on Justin Herbert. And then if by any chance we can get the other two linebackers, Jayon Brown and Luke Masterson, to cover that center a little bit more because teams are starting to figure out the Raiders that way and be like, okay, let's put them out there. And, JT, it's incredible to say this after a game where the Raiders conceded 34 points by their opponents the most this season. The defense looked good. We saw interior pressure. We saw Crosby get to his uh, career high, 10.5 sacks this season. We saw Perryman get two tackles for loss, an interception. Chandler Jones got the fumble recovery. He was close to getting his first sack. And the cornerbacks, they had their moments. They weren't great, but at the same time, this was an opportunistic defense that made plays. Three sacks, two of them on third downs. Hopefully we can get a good performance by them where they can limit the opponent a little bit more and not have to score 40 to win. All right, Harry, last one. Here's a big stat for you on your shows. I think you know this. The Raiders are giving up 25.1 points a game, which is better. The Chargers are giving up 25.6. So it's a wash. Both these teams are giving up 25 points a game, but here's the key. The Los Angeles Chargers are giving up 151 rushing yards a game. That's the average. And Josh Jacobs is the biggest story in the NFL at running back. They have got to run the ball over this average of 151. They have to. The only way they wouldn't be able to do that is if they fall behind by two scores and they got to force the pass here. So I think it's going to be really important for Josh to have a good week of recovery from the calf. He played a little bit banged up to have a good shutdown week, victory Monday. This is a guy I don't have to have to see practice again. I know what he has. And then hopefully he's fresh to come out in the first quarter and run it down their throat because you've got to run at Bosa or you've got to run at Mac to pick up big yardage. Exactly. And Josh Jacobs, I mean, we've seen Devontae Adams take over games. We've seen Josh Jacobs take over games. We haven't seen a game except once this season where both of them had 100-plus yards. Hopefully against the Chargers, that's another one, and you're able to start. It's incredible, JT. We're 12 weeks into the season. The Raiders have played four home games, and now they have four over their last six games of this season that they're going to be playing at Allegiant Stadium. So let's take advantage and beat the Chargers, get some momentum going, and not have people just look at you as a team with a losing record, but a team that can actually go out there, win games, and there's three great challenges coming up ahead with the Chargers, defending champ Rams. I don't 
no, I know that they're not in their best moment, but they're still a challenge. And then have the Patriots come into town. If you can win these next three, there's going to be a lot of great momentum on your side. What happened to Mexico at the World Cup? Come on, come on man. man they, they, they need people to score goals, and they just can't do it. They're the only team from CONCACAF to not score a goal. It's been incredible, JT, and not in a good way. Take care. I got Alexi Lawless coming up. I just got the text. He's joining us. Nice. How about that from Qatar? Harry, appreciate your work. I'll see you throughout the week. Thank you. Take care, JT. Muchas gracias, hermano. Thank you, my friend. How about that for a guest? I can guarantee you we're the only radio show in America, maybe one other, that gets Alexi Lawless. He just got back to us. Alexi Lawless is going to join us from Qatar. I've never done an interview in Doha. He's joining us. I don't know when, but it's going to be before the top of the hour. Stick around for that. That just made my day. World Cup tomorrow. The United States, Iran. What a game that's going to be. Jay in Vegas. Thanks for waiting, Jay. You're up next. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, JT, man? Thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, I'm calling to give uh, uh, Coach McDaniels credit, but it's funny that you mentioned the indie game. And it took me back while I was waiting. It took me back because I was actually in the building in that game. And that was probably the height of my frustrations, like the most pissed off I've been with this team and this and the coaching staff, you know, the players and the coaching staff. Because, man, I, I sat there and, and watched, you know, Jeff Saturday, you know, at, at his coordinator's hips on both offense and defense, almost conveying to his coordinators what he wanted to see out of, out of his team, how he wanted his team to look. And when I looked across at the other sideline, I saw Josh McDaniels 30 yards away from his coordinator. I saw players, him like 10 mm-hmm. yards away from uh, any, any player. When you look at Jeff Saturday and you had players and coordinators all around him. And, you know, we all saw what happened at the end of the game. And that, just, that part of it just really pissed me off. But something happened, JT. And I know it was reported that the players, you know, they aired out their differences. I mean, we saw Derek Carr uh, at, at the podium, you know, damn near in tears. And, and they aired out their differences. And I'm of the belief, I think maybe Coach McDaniels got called to the carpet as well because he has got this team. He totally has – this team has done a 180. This yeah, team I is agree. now playing hard. This team is playing mm-hmm. hard for him. The, uh, the way they've been celebrating, man, these, these post-game celebrations, man, especially the one in Denver, man, it got kind of emotional in my, in my house. My sister was down there in tears watching these players – celebrate and 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 love each other and and it's reminding me of la- the way uh th- you know this team is reminding me of the way the team finished last year and how they played together and how they you know i i, I want to give coach mcdaniels a lot of credit for just for for improving the body language of this team man he's he is playing to this uh the, to, to his player's strength man we've seen him use josh jacobs man uh uh, uh really to his strength yep. man how he, the, the offensive line has been developed, man. I mean, uh, say what you will about their pass row, which I think their pass row did probably the best job all year. But they're, they're run blocking, man, JT. Mm-hmm. They, uh, man, I'm really liking that, especially with the Andre James and, and Dylan Parham and, and Bars. Man, they are opening up holes for Josh Jacobs, man. He's, he's running like a man possessed. So, you know, I'm taking this season from now on, and it's just one game at a time. I'm not worried about two weeks, three weeks from now. I'm just worried about the Chargers yep. coming up, JT. And and look, man, whatever happens, I think Josh McDaniels has finally found a way to make the game fun for mm. these players. Yes. And, 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 and that's all I've wanted, JT. Make the game fun for them. Okay. If you can make the game fun for them, man, they're going to they're gonna ball out for you, man. They're going to play hard for you. 
And Got especially it. that la- the the post game celebration, JT, yesterday, man. Oh. Uh, I, man, I, I was so proud of watching this team, JT. And, My friend, and you got to wrap it up. I got you. You got to wrap it up. You got to wrap it up at some point. I know. You're excited. I'm thrilled you called. But again, there's got to be a beginning, middle, and end. So you were going on. Uh, that I, I got to slow it. I got to get everybody up. I appreciate the call there. I like everything about it. You made a good point when it comes to the body language and what's changed. I'm a big body language guy. And I thought the body language at times this year was terrible. And I don't blame it on the coach. The coach is coaching. He's got the plays in front of him. He sits down with the quarterback. I thought the player's body language was not good. The player sitting on the bench, not motivating each other. I'm a season ticket holder. I sit behind the Raider bench in the Twitch lounge area, and I watch. I look at that when I sit with my wife. That means a lot to me. When players are up off the bench and they're on the sidelines rooting their teammates on, like other teams do. And that, to me, was a bit of a problem this year. And it seems like they fixed that. I think they really have fixed that along the way. And we're seeing you know, better body language in a team that seems to be more engaged. And, look, the coach has been blamed for a lot of things all year long. And I sit down with the coach every week, and I can tell that he's passionate about winning, and he wants to fix all of this. And I just think the fans have the right to be negative when they lose, but a lot of fans have not given this coach a chance. You know it. I just said it. A lot of the fans who listen to the show and who don't, don't give the coach the credit from the day he got here. For whatever reason, I don't know what your problem was. Uh, some had the right to say we want Rich Basaccia back. Others have the right to say, you know, I don't know about him for sure because of what happened in Denver. That was 12 years ago. 12 years ago. And then I, I had to deal with some knuckleheads who told me, well, he's a patriot. So? <laughs> that means he won six Super Bowl rings. That, 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 to me, was very ignorant by a lot of people. You just didn't like the guy for no reason. No reason. You never met him. You don't know him. You don't see him. And you didn't like him for whatever reason. And I've tried to help in a little bit of a way to just try to turn the guy around and humanize him here on our flagship station, saying he's a really good guy. He's a good dad. He's a good husband. He's got a family on the other side of the country. Parents coming to games. His brother's a coach. The guy wants to win desperately for the Raiders and he has a plan just respect it and then don't agree with me say hey man you want this guy or that guy but we've been really pushing hard on that topic for a while here because there are people in this town in the media who want chaos they want chaos because they don't know anything other than chaos they want the team to fail they just don't care they think it's better radio like it's going to change their ratings like if you saw their ratings you'd say that's going to change their ratings no, you, you, if you want to root for the coach, do it. If you don't want to root for the coach, you don't have to. But just respect the human being, the human factor of it, and what the plan is. And there are a lot of Raider fans who don't have to agree with the plan. You know, They think they have a really good plan in place to get it to where the Patriots were, and it's hard to see the forest through the one tree in front of you if you want the results of Tom Brady and the Patriots in year one. It's not going to happen. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. I had a chance to be at one steakhouse with the great John O'Donnell over the weekend. Brought some friends into town. They said, where do we go to eat? I said, there's one place that I love at Virgin that you got to go. And they love the experience of one steakhouse inside Virgin Hotels.
JJ at? This morning, this morning, I didn't even know if he was gonna play. He went over 300 yards. Big division game. Of course, that another victory Monday speech. As you know, the players get off. A lot of times they got to come in on Monday because their off day is Tuesday. But Josh McDaniels giving him another victory Monday, which I think is great. Bodies are breaking down. Guys are hurt. Guys are coming back. And Josh Jacobs needs some time off. Get him an extra day off. I think that's a good thing. And hopefully that momentum continues as the Chargers come to town and it's a familiar opponent. So Josh McDaniels earlier today, right before the show, spoke to the media. Here's a portion of that press conference. Well, after watching the tape, um, the, you know, I think the effort and the uh, the way the guys competed uh, throughout the whole entirety of the game uh, stood out. Uh, we, we certainly... Uh, we're far from perfect uh, in all three phases, so um, still a lot to learn from, a lot to improve on. Um, I think that's the, the great part is, you know, you battle and fight and um, scratch and claw and, and come away with a victory and a tough place to play against a good team that's really well coached, and uh, still there's a lot of things we can improve on and get better from, so um, just, you know, I think it's uh, our guys have really kind of, I think, figuring out kind of how they need to play together in all three phases. Um, you know, we you know we had some complimentary football swings there where we did some good things together, and then uh, we also did some things where we put the other side in a disadvantage. So um, there's there's some things to learn from there as, as well. But when we play well together in all three phases, we really try to you know give ourselves an advantage as best we can and. Um, there were some good situations there yesterday that came up. So, um, guys are in the day off, and um, you know we'll get obviously get rolling here on the Chargers. <clears throat> Josh, you've been around a long time, and since you got here, you've talked about building a culture and building a long-term plan. When things were not going good, when you weren't winning, not one player on or off the record threw you under the bus. Mm -hmm. They got mad at themselves, each other, but not you. To see the way they've kept fighting and have stuck to your process, mm -hmm. I know you're disappointed in the record, but how proud are you of the progress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the part of the process, we've talked about this, part of the process is how you handle adversity. And I think it's probably one of the things that I've matured in the most uh, over, over many, many years of either doing it myself or having to do it myself or seeing it done by someone else. Um, is just understanding how you have to respond to that and what you need to say and how you need to act in the moment. Um, I think our, I've said this to you guys a number of times, the temperature inside the building never really changed. You know, we just continued to be consistent. And, 
And, you know, I think that's the way to do it, you know. Um, you know, there's issue every, – every – we've talked about this too. There's a lot of imperfections in football. Uh, nobody plays a perfect game. So there's a lot to learn from whether you win or lose. And so we just try to stay true to that, understand what we can do better. Um, I think the honest, open communication and dialogue with the players has been well received. Um, we don't blame anybody. Uh, there's, just, there's just a win or improve. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of how we've uh, approached this whole year, every week, every day, um, from from phase one in the spring till now, you know. And so uh, that won't change on Wednesday of this week, you know. So um, we win. We can still find things to do better. Um, and if we do more of those things better, I think we've, we've learned that we'll have more success. And I think our team has responded well to that. After the game, Derek, I don't know if you saw this quote, but talked about the win in week 11 is really what, allowed them to win in week 12. Is that part of your talking about the learning how to win? Yeah, I think, I think you know, it's kind of like anything you do. Um, you're in a tight game at the end, and once you realize, that, you know, we can do this, you know, we need to make some really good plays, and we trust each other, and you trust the guys on either side of you uh, to do their job under pressure um, in an environment that, you know, it's not a home game, you know. So both of these have been on the road, and I think we learned something in Denver uh, about the way we needed to play under pressure, um, you know, and perform it, that we could do it, you know. And sometimes uh, you need a few of those things to happen to just give you the confidence to go back and repeat that same type of success somewhere else. And um, I'm sure that's what he was referring to, but um, I thought our team in general yesterday, even though we lost the lead a couple times and then came back, it, we never there was never a feeling on the sideline like we lost control of the game. Like we were in the game the whole time. We knew we were in the game, and um, I just think we there was some ebbs and flows that we had to deal with. But I I loved the the energy on our sideline. There was no like. You know, there wasn't any panic or frustration. It was just keep playing and trying to fix some things that were wrong. And um, I thought I thought they did a really good job of staying like this the whole game. How important was it that you got uh, pressure from the interior? You know, uh, Bilal Nichols and Andrew Billings. And do you know the health of Billings? Um, I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. He got banged up on the leg, but uh, nothing structural. Um, I think that you know we we kind of talked a lot last week about. The, the pressure in the middle was really going to be important for us in general. And I thought, uh, you know, JT and, and Billings and Nickel, I mean, they all kind of showed up at one point or another um, in the pass rush. And so, you know, everybody focuses so much on our two ends, you know, and deservedly so. But I think the the inside guys being able to create some pressure or even – the the wall that's built inside so that the quarterback can't go forward and then get out of the way from the two ends. I think it all kind of plays together. And as I said before, those guys are all learning how to play with one another. You know, whether it's a the the four of them in a pass rush or a game on one side or another, that's something that we keep working on because I think we can make progress in that area. Again, JT's only been been here a couple of weeks, and you know, so he working with whether it's Chandler or Max on the edge or Clee, um, you know, being able to to operate in those types of situations is important. But it definitely showed up on the film when we got middle pressure on him. Those are some of our best plays. Those last two defensive uh, drives, you know, in regulation and in overtime, 
what do you think were some of the key factors in really getting the Seahawks like off the field, you know, that you really were proud of? Yeah, I mean, we had to tighten the coverage down, you know what I mean? I mean, those situations are are ones where, you know, if you give up too much, you know, you're going to you're going to give up points, you know, a field goal would have won the game, you know, potentially and so um you know, I thought our guys really did a good job of trying to get on them tight. I thought the rush was, um, you know, was was really as good as we we could ask for it to be under pressure. Uh, Max obviously stood up, you know, in the in the big situations, which, um, you know, that's that's what you know you need your best players to do. And uh, thought he really did a good job. They were trying to chip him a little bit, and he still worked around that, and navigated that too. So, I think anytime you're in that type of a situation, it kind of is. The rush has to give the coverage an opportunity, and the coverage has to give the rush an opportunity. It can't be one or the other. You know, if the coverage is too soft, the ball's out, and rush never gets there, and vice versa. So I thought we played pretty good complementary defense. Okay, that's a portion of that press conference. You can find it on Twitter, all the Raiders platforms at Raiders.com here. Q is there asking questions, and a lot of time spent on the pass rush, the interior of the pass rush, which is really important because the edge rushers, Chandler Jones, Really has had a legendary career and hasn't lived up to the hype yet, but his career and the ability to make big plays is something that's happened his entire career. And Max Crosby's having a defensive player of the year type season. So if the middle of that, and Tillery coming in, playing against his former team, should be motivated. Hopefully Billings, because he got taken off the field, he looked like he was banged up. We'll get a status on that later in the week. And the interior pass rush is really important because it gives Max more time to get to the quarterback if the quarterback can't move. Or the quarterback's got to move towards Max and make it easier. Love the play of Max Crosby. Big deal coming up. We just found out that we're going to go to Cutter and talk to Alexi Lalas, former uh, former great player and captain of the national team. And we're going to take a look at the game tomorrow, USA versus Iran. Don't miss this. This is a nice surprise to wrap up the show. This, this yeah, means was, something it different. Awesome. It was wonderful. And it's, and it's just a game, and it's, uh, there will be other games against Mexico. I don't know. It's, it's, it's everything. It's this incredible crowd. It's, it's the way that they... It's America. It makes me very happy yep. and very proud. And I know it's, it's, just, it's just sports. It's just soccer and all that. But. The, the depths this program has been in. Wow. How about Bobby finding that? That's Alexi Lalas from last year after the Mexico win. JT. As we're back with you, what a weekend. What a great victory for the Raiders. The DeCastaverde Law Group is our brand new proud partner on Raider Nation Radio. If you get into an accident, it's the DeCastaverde Law Group. My good friend Alex DeCastaverde, his brother Orlando, the family business will take care of you. Proud partners of the show as we continue on. So, just found out. Let's get him up. We go out to Qatar. How about that? Just saying that. Alexi Lawless is kind enough to join us off the Fox set. Alexi, thanks for a few minutes. Really appreciate it on a busy day and night where you are. Take me through that. What's it like showing up to that set? It looks so gorgeous every morning or night. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm standing on it as we speak here on the uh, banks of the Doha Bay here in Doha, Qatar. Our Fox set is incredible. I mean, it's bigger than most you know, apartment complexes. It has multiple levels. It has multiple stages. We are incredibly fortunate, incredibly 
spoiled, if you will, to be able to broadcast it from these wonderful facilities. But, you know, it's not just all bells and whistles. It's, uh, you know, we have some humans also involved in it, too. And so that's a pretty (laughs) cool crew to be around. When you saw the mock-ups of the set originally, you knew you were going out there. Is it bigger than you even expected? Oh, yeah. It's the biggest thing I've ever worked on. It's the biggest thing, not just from a soccer perspective, uh, from a sports perspective. And look, we've done big things when comes to world cups in vancouver and over in moscow and uh in paris but this is a whole nother level i think i think the football guys are going to be really jealous alexi lawless joins us alexi have you ever played and correct me if i'm wrong in a politically atmosphere game as intense as iran and the united states back in the day if you can remind me of some of the big games you played with a big political backdrop well the interesting thing about this uh, u.s iran game coming up by the way on fox um, is that we played Iran actually in the 19, uh, 1998 World Cup. Now, we lost that game, and I was really interested to hear Greg Berhalter, the coach of the U.S. team, talk about how he actually was commentating that game many, many years ago, and he recognizes some of the mistakes we made. And I'll tell you the mistakes that we made as a team. We did not recognize how much you know, this, this, this historical, contentious type of relationship that we have with Iran impacted and i'll even say fueled the iranian team when we played them we ended up losing two to one and we you can understand as a sports team you kind of want to put that aside but i think he's recognized that there's a way to harness it to make sure that the u.s players when they go out there don't just understand that this is an opportunity from a competitive standpoint to win the game and get out of the group but also who they are facing and what is fueling them and what is behind them and i know times have changed to a certain extent but there is still an incredible um, pride and incredible, incredible nationalism that is behind any team that you face, but certainly between these two nations that have such a long and sordid type of history. Alexi Lawless joins us from Qatar, and i got to ask you about Greg Barhalter again, as far as you go back with him, the adjustments he needs to make to this game. In your perspective, and you're outspoken, and you know the roster as good as anybody, any major tweaks or changes or who to hold back in this game for the second half? Well, when you're watching this game against Iran, Iran does, doesn't need to win. The U.S. needs to win in order to advance. And so I think it's going to be a very defensive and cagey type of Iran, which means the U.S. is going to have to try to break them down. Uh, you need players that have bravery. You need players that have skill. This forward striker position, the number nine position that we call it in soccer, the, the guy that is foremost in, in the center, that still is a rotating cast. And we've already seen a couple players in Josh Sargent uh, and Haji Wright Maybe there's another, another guy in the name of, by the name of Jesus Ferreira that gets his chance. But at some point, somebody's going to have to score goals for this team. They really haven't found, found that yet. You know, I'm, I'm sick of moral victories. Okay? I'm sick of tired mm-hmm. of just being happy to be there and just you know, pushing the sport along. This is an opportunity to come out, to beat Iran, to get, into the, get out of the group. Something that, by the way, we've done in the past. I don't want any excuses because the U.S. is a better team. And if truly Greg Berhalter and this generation of players are more evolved and more progressive, then they should be able to find a way to break down that defensive type of unit, either individually with the skill that they have, set pieces, corner kicks, those those types of things, or just over a course of 90 minutes just wearing the opposition down. Reyna has only played 15 minutes of World Cup action so far. What plan would you like to see for the 20-year-old as long as he's healthy and fit to play? Yeah, look, he is, a, he is an incredible talent. He's still young, uh, and I think, you know, Greg Rothard is not going to not play a player, okay, that can help the team. But his job is to make sure that he has 
not the best players on the field, but the best 11 players on the field for the, situ- for the situation. Look, I, like a lot of American fans, would love to see Gio Reyna get out there because he can do some of those special things that I'm talking about, especially in this type of game where you're taking players on and you're really in kind of tight, compact spaces. I think he can do some, uh, do some of that. But there is obviously something going on. Otherwise, we would have seen more of him in the first couple of games. Now, whether it's a, uh, you know, an injury type of situation or it's just a coaching decision or it's something off the field, I don't know. But guess what? This is the World Cup. This is an AYSO. If you play the players that are going to get you the job done, and whether that's Gio Reyna or anybody else, at the end of the day, I want to be able to be proud of the performance. And ultimately, I want that win to go on because that is the type of team and that's, I think, all of Americans that are watching that should expect this team and should expect more from this team, even though they are younger, even though they are less experienced. They've been given incredible opportunities and all the resources to be successful, even at the highest level from a very young age. Alexi, one more uh, player question before you go. Pulisic, do you want him to take every corner, or would you want him somewhere in the box or outside the box on a rebound to bury a big goal in this game instead of setting up all those set pieces? Is there anybody else who can do that at that level so he can have a better chance to score? Oh, my God, don't get me started on the set pieces. Do you know that the United States Soccer Federation, the U.S. team, actually has a coach specifically dedicated to set pieces. They hired him early this year. They had a press conference. They had a press release, all that kind of stuff. You have one job, all right? The set pieces have been abysmal. And Christian Pulisic oftentimes is not providing the right, uh, the right service. Now, the other day, it was, even more, it was even worse because Christian Pulisic actually started to hit some good balls, and there was nobody there. And look, in, in a game where there are fine margins, sometimes it's set pieces for the United States men's national team for decades, even back in the 1900s when I was running around and playing. And that we have either gone away from it or lost it. It, it, it breaks my red-headed American heart to think that that is the case because they can be incredibly effective and particularly in this game against Iran. So whether Christian Pulisic is taking it or not, I just want the balls to have purpose and I want people to get on the end of it. I know you can't score every single one, but at the very least I need a challenge and it has to be much more successful than certainly what we've seen in the first two games. Last one, if you're an amateur soccer fan in the United States, if you're not into this, but you need to get into this game, this is Iran World Cup against the United States. How does this country get motivated to get off their ass, make sure on Tuesday they're in front of a TV for the historic perspective of this and for the opportunity of Team USA to advance? Talk about sports, right? And Mm -hmm. you talk about American sports. And in America, we expect the best. And we have gotten the best, let's be honest, when it comes to most of our sports and when it comes to soccer when the, with the women's teams. Not necessarily so when it comes to the men's team. And that's what this team is fighting for. It's fighting for credibility. It's fighting for attention. It's fighting to prove that they deserve that attention that you should, that you should give to make us believe that they are worth paying attention to. This is a wonderful opportunity in this World Cup against you know, all the narratives that come with playing against Iran. So I hope that they use it. I hope that they make us proud. I hope that they create more fans because, you know, whether it's kicking a ball or on the ice or shooting hoops or anything like that, when you put on that jersey, when you put on that American jersey, you put your hand over your heart, you sing that anthem, there is nothing like it. And it, you're representing what I feel is the greatest country in the world. And with that comes expectation. With that comes responsibility, whether it's soccer or anything else. And I want them to live up to it and in the process to help soccer continue to grow. Thanks, Alexi. All the best. Really appreciate you doing this. We're watching everything on Fox. We're listening to everything on SiriusXM on Fox. Thank you, and have a great rest of your trip. Thank you, sir. Alexi Laulis from Qatar. Wow. So that's big heading into this game tomorrow. 
I'm on the air right in the middle of it. And again, I uh, knock on wood, I'm not a sick day guy, but if there was a day I wasn't going to be here, it would be tomorrow to watch that game in full U.S. gear. In full U.S. gear would be tomorrow, but we'll be here doing the show and watching it live and giving you live updates. Raider Dave in Denver. Wrap it up, Dave. How are you? Hey, man. Thank you very much. I'll save my stories for tomorrow, but I just quickly wanted to ask the question of Raider Nation. As long as you've been watching football, have you ever seen a running back eclipse his personal best in yardage three times in six games? I don't remember watching O.J. Simpson do it. I don't remember watching Barry Sanders do it. I don't remember watching Eric Dickerson do it. I mean, this guy, if he had the all-pro front line like that of the classic Raiders of Upshaw and Shell, who knows where this guy could go when it could end up with a, with a yellow jacket. I don't know what else Josh Jacobs has to do to prove to the football world because he's already now checked off the box of being able to run a breakaway run longer than he's done before, which his 35-yard run earlier in the game already eclipsed his best, and now he did this. That was a perfectly blocked play with only two people left to get him, one that had the assignment on Jacobs and one with the assignment on, on Carr. And when it's perfectly blocked and guys do their job, this is the result you get. God bless you, JT. Thank you very much for the line. And I agree with you about the Chargers. They need to run the ball down their throat. Great phone call. What a day today. Really, what a difference, right, everybody? You win a game like that. Josh Jacobs, we don't give out gold jackets on this show. I'm trying to get Eric Allen one. Eric Allen, we opened up the broadcast yesterday. EA's got 54 career interceptions. Please put that in your mind when you see him. 54. Look at your favorite other players, how many interceptions they have. Probably not 54. We got to get him in the Hall of Fame. Got to get Steve Wisniewski in. Got to get Jim Plunkett in. Got to get Lester Hayes. To me, the next guy's Lester Hayes on accomplishments. Josh Jacobs is putting up a Hall of Fame early portion of his career. Now, running backs don't last as long as they did back in the day, but you never know. This kid might. I mean, look at the numbers. Now, he doesn't have 2,000-yard seasons and all of that, but this season gets you to think about what could happen if he could do it for three or four more at this level. It's something fun to think about. That was one of the greatest individual performances, and his team deserves all the credit, too, the offensive line. But for Josh, he deserves every accolade he's going to get this week from the NFL for this epic performance. Really happy for him. The fans are happy for him. Q's coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to all of our proud partners on the Aftermath on a Monday. I'll see you on Sirius XM tonight, 6 to 9, on Mad Dog. Good to go. All right, you got it.